Hey, this is Chris, the host of Killer Jobs, the podcast that discovers the day jobs of the world's most famous serial killers. Explore how these psychopaths functioned in the real world, how murder interfered with their work, and what coworkers had to say. Killer Jobs investigates a new serial killer every Tuesday and is available on all podcast players. Hello. Hello. Yes. Yes. Ian, fives, fours, threes. Hey, everybody. This is Daniel. And this is Daniel. <laughs> this is Carla. We're Hoosier Homicide, a true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. I really questioned that when it came out of my mouth. I was like, is it called Hoosier Homicide? Only not talked about it for a week. Yeah. <laughs> What's you- happening? Unless you talk to it with your friends all the time about your fancy really podcast. What's happening? What's happening? What happened? What happened? What did happen look like? What? The Seahawks scored? Yes. Uh, well, yes. And I have Russell Wilson on my fantasy team. So that's and all that just, the better. That just put me up by three. This is going to go real well. <laughs> I can already tell. It's basically going to be me you know, talking to myself. You know, let me tell you something, Danielle. This is important, Okay. Two reasons this, this why important. it's important. Go. Is there money involved? Two reasons why it's important. There's mm-hmm. money involved, and it's fun. How much money? It could be a lot. Um, oh. Hang on. There's. Let me do some math because it's. Uh, we had more people this year. They had more people this year. Happy birthday! Six hundred bucks. Yeah, that's good. You better be and cheering I them have, on. I have a chance. To He's win. talking about fantasy football, and they have the TV on. Who's playing? It's well, I have the red zone channel on, so it hops around from game to game to game. (laughs) You should hear him begging our daughter to watch TV on the big TV. Can I I watch foot? Can I watch foot? Can daddy watch football? Sure, and then wouldn't let him. (laughs) (laughs) She knows. She's like, if I'm I'm nice, of course, in that room. (laughs) That's basically what she said, of course. So, well, there you go. There's money involved, so you should be cheering him on. You, you should be. support my hobbies. I should. Po- I should. Po- I should pull your. <laughs> I should pull you. What's I my hobby? Your hobbies. Huh? What's my hobby? This. 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 Masturbating. <laughs> I am a master debater and a cunning linguist. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Sorry. So we got you here. You're okay. I'm good. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> it was a cough. You went to the store and came back, and Daniel had the Christmas tree halfway put up. What's today? It's acceptable. I don't know if it is. It is November 4th. I don't know, Daniel. What day is it? It's November 4th. Yes. <laughs> Happy birthday. Tomorrow's my birthday, but by the time this comes out... It will have passed. Yeah, my birthday will have been on Monday. It'll be the 8th. Yep, so it's apparently Christmas time. I like it. It mm. is to me. That's what mom was like. I really feel people get pissed off. People get all offend, uh, offended. Like, I'm really offended you skipped over my religious holiday of Thanksgiving. Is it a religion holiday? It's no, really but not. that's how people. That's yeah. how people react. They just feel bad for Thanksgiving. Like they self-identify no, see, with it. I feel like, like they're forgettable. Thanksgiving so. is part of Christmas. It's it part is. of Christmas. It they have so close Christmas. together because that night 
You know, after it's ain't all nobody said and done. decorates for fucking Thanksgiving. Actually, there are do, some our people neighbors who do. do. Our neighbors have that's giant, true. A giant turkey. Well, that's true. Dedication. There, there yeah. is a giant turkey. Giant, but I turkey. think the turkey's wearing a Santa Claus hat. Is it? I don't know. He supports all the holidays. I was too busy driving. <laughs> We've watched Christmas Cat in the Hat twenty times and The Grinch. But that started like right before I know. Halloween. She wanted to start watching that. She knew what was next. Yeah, she's been telling me it's your birthday and then it's Christmas. Wow, she did definitely skip skipped over, over Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving can get fucked. She does not care. She'll care when it comes to the cream corn. <laughs> yeah, but the problem is is Thanksgiving, we have to go to my parents this year. So are we even going to get cream corn? I don't know. I'll make you freaking cream. I'll make you all the freaking cream corn you want. Yeah, but it's not the same as your sister's cream corn. Well, it could be a recipe. <laughs> No, remember when I was No, we can't. Yeah, you can't do it. I I like him stupid no. for one. I think we all knew that. Um, but I asked you for it mm-hmm. and I was like, I can do this. This is something I can you do. Were in Florida, I Disney. can do cream corn. Even the dumbest of people can do cream corn, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, when it was all said and done, it was pretty watery. <laughs> she did, They're she like, what'd like- you do? canned corn and didn't drain the water. I didn't drain the water from the canned corn. Oh, you gotta just use the frozen shit and you just throw it in there. Yeah, well, you know, I know that. Throw it into the crock pot, you turn the crock pot on, you added about three bricks of cream cheese. Artery clogging cream cheese. And then you add a little bit of butter. Like two sticks of butter. Two blocks. I said a little, that's a little bit of butter. A cup. And then a bunch of fucking sugar. Whipping cream. And then some salt. Yeah, I did And then when it's done, it's more like a corn chowder. I will say after like a day though it solidifies. It solidified a little bit. It soaks in. So we had at least a leftover version of it. Well, the good news is I eat so much of it, I literally shit out an entire corn on the cob the next day. (laughs) It finds its way back to how it it was. (laughs) It's the circle of life. Oh god. Oh, somebody just turned off because I offended them talking about poop. Poop. Oh no. Our fence was murdered by our tree. Oh, don't remind me. In the middle of the night. What was it? Just windy? Yeah, it was just a windstorm. And the dog was acting weird. And I was like, well, he's acting weird because of the wind. But he normally doesn't get weird about the weather like some dogs do. And he kept wanting to go back outside. And then he wouldn't come in. And the way our house is, I couldn't see where the tree had fallen on the fence from the back door. And so I kept calling for him. I'm like, fine, stay out there. (laughs) And because it's a little chilly, but it wasn't that bad. And he's a bigger dog. He's fine. And then we we never heard it. And then finally, I told Daniel, I was like, I can't get him to come in. Well, I didn't have my slippers, so I still hadn't walked all the way out into the yard. And he finally did. It went, he was like, oh, fuck. Where's the dog? So when it hit, it had hit right next to the gate. So it busted the gate open. And so he used the opportunity to leave. He was like, my people are so stupid. <laughs> he's like, you let me out here twice. That so, was a it, really bad feeling at like midnight yeah we're like where's the dog so we ran inside because at first i didn't realize the tree was down and i just saw the gate was sprung open dark yeah and uh i was like oh fuck someone opened up and took him see i saw the tree and then the closer i got obviously i noticed the yeah and then so we ran inside to grab shoes or whatnot flashlight something to find him and then turn around and he's had come in the back door (laughs) What he had said. He like asked permission though. He came back. He was like, was dude, like, can I go out there? He's like, you said I could. And, and then you let me go back. So well, what he did during that free time <clears throat> is he found some rabbit shit to roll in. <laughs> and that's what he was doing. He got your permission. That's what I And he, he didn't run thinking. away. He just found the closest pile of rabbit shit. 
Why do dogs do that? I don't know. <laughs> the best part about this, though, is I looked at Danielle and said, his collar's covered in rabbit shit. And our daughter goes, that not shit. That's poop. <laughs> yes, poop. Poop, correct. He called the shit poop. <laughs> <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly what it was like. <laughs> He called this shit poop. My favorite is people doing the Billy Madison costume, mm-hmm. and then they lift their shirt up, and it says Frank. Well, this is actually Frank's shirt. <laughs> and then I saw a couple costume where the girl wore a penguin suit, and then he was dressed as Billy Madison. Nudie magazine day. It's too hot outside for penguin. <laughs> it's the worst, best show. Yeah, it's, it's correct. I mentioned these movies to my intern, Aww. and he doesn't know any of them. Oh, that's he's like, got to go God take care damn of damn it. Now I feel old. I was watching that before I should have been watching it. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's like we were watching. She wanted to watch The Grinch, the one with Jim Carrey, and I looked it up, because I and it's like, oh, shit. This movie's 18 years old. I remember seeing it in theaters with Dad. It's great. Yeah. It's a good one. It was just me and him, actually. Hmm. So the dog got a bath the next day, which was fun. And then dad came over to help chainsaw up the tree that was laying over the fence. Oh, I missed a lot. Mm-hmm. And then, Daniel, you kind of pushed the post back into place, didn't you? I did. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't think, I, you know, I kind of tugged on it and didn't think I'd be able to push it back up. Because they're cemented in. And then... Uh, so your dad has a winch to put on the back of his. Did you call my mother? Yeah, <laughs> that to put on the back of his tractor. Well, his tractor didn't weigh enough, and this pole was that. So I'm just like, so I start like pushing on it and all, and, and bend it back into place. So now our under two year old fence that is not yet paid for, nowhere near paid off. It's a little dented up, but the dog is in the yard. Does he can't get out? So there we go. It seems like it could have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. It could have gone on the house. Yeah. It was I, half the tree. Yeah. Let me tell you what's going on behind you guys. Denver is down two with the ball with 41 seconds left in the drive in the field. The Seahawks are down eight with under a minute left. They've got the ball and they're driving the field. This game down here, there's 10 minutes left and it's fucking tied. It's a good night for football. That's what I heard. That's what I hold. So from you're basically that. not going to be paying attention. I am a hundred percent paying attention. That's why I went ahead and read your notes. I am pissed, <laughs> you nosy, nosy child. Yeah, well, went flipping through the pages. The name isn't even on the top. You just decided to go flipping through my notes, painstakingly typed, copied and pasted, and now you know what the subject matter is. You know. I have a comeback. I just can't say it in front of Carla. Good That's job. Good. Good, Good job. <laughs> You jag off. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. He's fucking running. The Steelers aren't even playing. Why are we talking yeah. like this? <laughs> Ruffelsberger. So I made a cake. We sang happy birthday to me, basically for our daughter to hear someone sing happy birthday. I'd like to say, now that we're through everyone's birthday for the year, uh-huh. and we've all had birthday cake now, mine was the best. But I don't know what I did to make yours that was better than the other ones. What? Carla didn't show up for my birthday, though. When was what? it? Yeah, so you don't even know. September I know 9th. Birthday. Yeah. There we go. Where was I, though? I don't know. You have a life, okay? You have a life. That doesn't include me. 
are you sad? <laughs> Maybe you were out of town. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's factual or not. But, but now I, I can't but now I what... can't remember what the cake was. Oh, it was ganache. It was chocolate with a It was fucking ganache, Carla. Is that the one that fell apart? Yes, it looked like some or was that no, dad's? That was dad's. That was but I did a remake cake. of dad's as his, a better version of it. And it was delicious. Yeah. Mine was more of an oh. Oreo. What was mine? I'm like uh, struggling. Yours you wanted. Killed Timmy Brain. So. Chocolate too, I think. Yeah, it was just chocolate with chocolate, right? Mm-hmm. It was good. I liked that one. There you go. I never forget a cake. Is it anything relate? I don't, I don't think so. And because Daniel knows. I could tell you. Did you really know what it was? Like, did you? There's know no, there's no football teams in Alaska. What? Alaska. That's you've talked clue? about this one too many times. It's your fault. All right, you can stop fucking talking again. <laughs> Are you gonna get your regular voice back, or is this the new you? I don't know. I might just do this all night. Might as well. Have you ever been to Alaska? Or would you? I ever? have not. I've had, um, I've had baked Alaska. Does that count? What's baked Alaska? It's this dessert that you pour like 151 rum over and you light it on fire and oh. then you eat it and the cake's like infused with rum. That sounds awful. Yeah. Um, like it'd be cool to watch, but then that's yeah. it. Would you ever go to Alaska? Hmm. Um, Alexis and Nick went to Alaska though. Oh yeah. She like, when Colleen was living in Seattle, she they, she like found a cheap flight to Alaska. I think they went for like two days and they went on like a whale yeah, I remember thing. this. Yeah. yeah, it looked dope. Would you ever go? Yeah, yeah. I would do an Alaskan cruise. Yeah. Yes, somebody I know did one of those. And they... <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna give the money to charity. I don't want it. Turns out I'm gonna take my other new family on Alaskan cruise instead. Oh, <laughs> fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's who went on the Alaskan cruise that we know. I think it was someone else I was thinking of, but okay. So there's something about Alaska, I guess. I'm afraid I would go, and the 30 days and 30 nights thing would happen to me. I don't know what that is. Ooh, that's not, a good one. Not to be confused with 30. Same no. same actor. Same, though. Th- it's 30 days of night. 30, 30 days. 30 days, days of eat, night and 30, 30 days, days and, and night. 30 nights. 30. Yes. Whoa. Quit talking over me. Sorry. <laughs> same actor where they go. And the town is basically dark for a month. And oh. so vampires oh. seize the opportunity. Yeah, you would have seen that. Yeah. It's a good one. It is. Alaska is is the, the connection, the clue. Okay, well, I ain't never been there. I don't know. I don't know if I would ever want to go. I don't do real well with the cold, and it's already fucking freezing here. You're a little bee. I got a heated blanket that the dog <laughs> takes over. The mouse owns a boat that goes. Oh, I would there. take a mouse ride there. <gasps> oh, I would take a mouse ride for sure. I made that blood would you sacrifice. Take a, would you take a mustache ride on the mouse ride? No. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Do we have a balcony? <laughs> Do we have a balcony? That's an inside joke, Kala. Ew, Ooh, she's gonna leave if you're not careful. You said it, not me. What do you know about serial killers? Um, that they are... they, they eat cereal. Yes, and they are super cereal. Both of you are on your phones. I'm like looking and no one is <laughs> here. Do I don't have to make eye contact with you. Fine, yeah. I'll remember that. I do not. <laughs> Look at me. Look well, at me. I'm usually staring at the back of your head, so what difference does that make? 
Um, okay, serial killers, they I don't know what What do you know about serial but killers? More than one killing? Like if you kill mm-hmm. two people, are you a ki- serial killer? The FBI and other places have the definition is different. Some say two or more, and some say three or more and more than one event with a cooling off period in between. I okay, that which makes sense. I almost feel like it has to be three or more because I was thinking in my head that if Daniel had an affair and I murdered him, but they couldn't prove it right away, so I wasn't arrested, and I went and killed the mistress within that month or the next month, does that make me a serial killer? I don't think so. I feel like it would have to be three people. Except if it was, because then she'd, she'd go over and fucking kill her right away <laughs> and would have no problem going to prison. <laughs> I, I've been to prison, in prison. I think I could do it. I think I could. <laughs> well, yeah, because you would convert to a lesbian and... That's uh, you need you'd money. Find, you'd you find, need money. Is you'd what you find need. the largest. You'd find the largest person there. Yeah. And latch onto them, and they'd protect you. I'm not that small. <laughs> she could very well be the largest person there. No, I could not. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lot of old women moving real, real slow. Okay. Okay. Serial. Carla, killers. quit moving your fucking mic. Sorry. Are serial killers predictable? In a sense, I mean, they all have certain qualities. They all do the they all do the same shit. Is that part of it? Yeah, especially now that they have FBI profiling and stuff, they've kind of hammered out specific things that serial killers do, depending on what type of serial killer they are. Mm-hmm. What but happened to that show that never came out with the second season? Mind Hunter. I'm sure they'll come out with another season. Oh, I feel like it's been a long time. I don't think it has, but it's a book too. Oh, you're a book. You're a book. What perhaps in their victimology, they put themselves where they're most likely to run into the type of victim they're after. I mean, that would make sense. So they usually kill within their own race and find places that are comfortable in killing and disposing of bodies because they're familiar with the area. Mm -hmm. A hunting ground, per se. Per se. So does knowing the victim profile give you a sense of comfort? Have you ever thought about this? I don't feel good about huh? any of it. Like knowing what type of victim serial killers target and you don't match up with it. I do match up with it. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. See, but there's a range. Like the Green River Killer was sex workers. And I don't think that's any of us. And But Ted Bundy liked dark-haired women with the hair parted down the middle. So I'd be kind of fucked. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy, young boys. So that's yeah. none of us. Um, I don't think your hair your hair's not parted down the middle. I could though. But he you, could have but been you mistaken. never you've It's I, not the style like how mom's would have been. Like I think she had hers parted down the middle. Oh yeah. And like straight down. Uh what about Ed Kemper? He liked female college coeds usually. And so you're not in college anymore, right? No, but do I look like would you be able to look at me and be like, that girl's definitely not in college? Yeah, you look old enough. Really? <laughs> <laughs> that chick's definitely not in college. She's way too old. Okay, the murder- You look like you're somebody's mom. Oh. I'm just Wait, kidding. what? <laughs> the murders may have been attempted or completed in a similar fashion, and the victims may have common factors such as demographic profile, like sex workers were line up you know, on a certain street more so than another one, so they have that's where they're going to go. Where they're at. Eileen Warlos killed her John. Yep, that's a good one. So that could have been you. That's <laughs> true, because I like to go I like to go pick up prostitutes. In Florida. In Florida, in the bad parts of town. 
I like the ones that look like they're strung out on at least heroin. Minimum. Like maybe the ones that are mumbling to themselves a little bit. And then I, I want I want somebody that gives quality pricing, like no more than ten dollars for a blow. You're job. like really going be, on too I much think, about this. <laughs> I feel like I would ask for more than ten dollars, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, tell me what your price is. Stop it. <laughs> so demographic profile, appearance, gender, or race. But and then some killers kill so densely in a particular area that law enforcement has been able to warn the general public that someone is killing people here. So don't go out alone or be careful of what you're doing. So serial killers would figure out what they like and then where to find it most easily. And we talked about the number. And then there's the psychological gratification. So sexual gratification, anger, thrill-seeking, financial gain, or attention-seeking. Oh, maybe Carla could be a serial killer. Oh, that's true. So you think I need attention? No. (laughs) So we know that some of us don't fit fit the victimology, the victim profile, to Mm -hmm. fall into a category of whatever number of serial killers we just listed off. What if their game, though, was much more random than anything else? And opportunity only need come knocking. Isn't that a car commercial? Could be. So that means... Hello, I'm here to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) That means there is no victim profile. Male, female, young, old, just simply available. Women are inherently more vulnerable in our daily lives. And it wouldn't be a shock to hear of a woman being attacked in a parking garage. That was always a worry of yours, right? Mm -hmm. When you were leaving, when you used to work for the hotel. Yeah, that was fucking horrible. I know. And you're like, well, if you don't hear from me in 20 minutes, call the cops. Well, you wouldn't get cell reception in the parking garage. No. And so it was like, I would text mom and be like, it's been like 25 minutes. Do we call the cops or? No, literally, I used to like call you guys when I was leaving. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you, you can't play on your phone while you're walking. Yeah, no. And no headphones in. And you wouldn't take one of my guns. No. <laughs> it's okay. I don't work there anymore. It's fine. So, yeah. But I couldn't call. It was like, do we call 911? It would be like you didn't have your cell reception yet. Mm-mm. Yeah, so we're just like, hope, well wishes, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> it would be all we could do. But we have to be safer in our homes, right? Like, this is safer than out in the parking garage. Well, I feel like it is, yeah. Yeah. Unless you're being watched by a serial killer. Again, maybe a single woman living alone at home. Why are you doing this to me? Uh, there's a point. You don't live alone. Would be... The what if she Carly, works- you also live in that right part of town. Too. No. Typically, people get abducted. What? So I guess if it was a woman living home alone, she would be more vulnerable. You know, easier pickings, maybe. The I'm BTK... Huh? I'm getting a dog. The BTK killer had a proclivity for entering the homes of women. Mm-hmm. That's my initials backwards. <laughs> but surely killers... <laughs> yeah, it sure that is. That's something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, surely a killer wouldn't target a home where a man lived. That's much too high risk. I don't know. I'm going to be thinking about this tonight when I'm laying in bed. Although the Night Stalker had no qualms with that. And most recently of all... In the spotlight, the Golden State Killer seemed to target couples in their homes. Yeah, that was like weird. We're we're too unpredictable, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like we get up at all hours of the night. Usually, one of us seems to be up to like one or two o'clock in the oh, morning. God. Yeah. So 
At the very least, then, the Night Stalker and the Golden State Killer, as our examples, had a geographical indicator. So people knew they were in California. Right. So at least people knew. So you wouldn't knew, be worried about it here. And people knew, like, when I think the Night Stalker left one area and went to another, and or the Golden State Killer used to be the Vesalia Ransacker. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Vesalia Ransacker. And because that's where he was, people knew it was happening. Right. Because part of the... I think those two killers, at least in particular, the installment of fear and terror upon the general public was another form of gratification, that they're terrorizing a community. Yes. What if there was- I'm a terrorizing terrorist. (laughs) (laughs) What if there was a killer that was not afraid to enter a home at will, had little to no victimology, all the attacks were imposed at random, and no one could know that a serial killer was nearby because another form of his control came in his anonymity. He was anonymous. Terrifying. Terrifying. He didn't. He didn't sign his name. That was the prologue. I wrote a fair amount of that. I thought that was good. I did I too. Like you that. should do that every time. No, it's a lot of work. <laughs> you should read the whole episode like that. But if I wrote it, like I know it a little bit better. <laughs> well, that's what I'm just saying. I think that had a good flow to it. It had a really good flow. I was very well. interested, except for like one or two times. Times one or two times, which is pretty good. So, and the other part of this is this is not an old case that I'm about to give you. Right. Great. February 1st, 2012. A man is driving around aimlessly through Anchorage, Alaska in search of a potential victim. It's Anchorage. Anchorage. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we just, I just I looked at him. I was like. <laughs> he approached a coffee kiosk. So, it's like a built, like a small building. That you just kind of walk up to and get coffee, I guess, because you're always fucking freezing in Alaska. A small, like, probably, it's no bigger than our living room. We have a small living room. Um, Alaska's no bigger than your living room? <laughs> no, that's, that's right. <laughs> Working at the coffee shop was 18-year-old barista Samantha Koenig. He approached her through the window, orders a coffee, and as she turns back around, you can see on the video footage that she puts her hands up doing the, oh, fuck, you know, example. And it's because he points a gun at her through the window and demanded money from the register and assured her, I'm here just to rob the place. Uh, After his demands are met, he tied her up and waited for her boyfriend of almost a year, Dwayne Tortellani. It looks like Tortellini. It really does. It could be, I guess. Tortellani. I like Tortellini. (laughs) And he was going to abduct him as well, but changed his mind and dragged Samantha outside. She attempted to escape, but he quickly recaptures her, forcing her into his truck, and then takes her back to his house. So, walks up to a coffee shop, and you can see she flips off the lights in the video footage, trying to make it harder for him to see in, because it's 8 p.m. at night. So, it's dark outside, and she's flipping off the lights inside. Because, you know, it's like people leave their lights on at night, and if you walk by on the street, you can see into people's houses and be like, what the fuck are you doing in there? I kind of like that. So, she turns the lights off and attempts for him to not see what she's doing. And... But he you know, took her anyways. The next day, he went to Samantha's home, broke into her boyfriend's truck, and stole the debit card they shared. Dwayne, her boyfriend, and her father, James, witnessed him commit the act. Is it a Duane or a Dwayne? Dwayne. Duop? No, I'm not sure. So he takes a girl, finds out where she lives, goes to her, and she lives with her parents, so goes there, and then her dad sees someone robbing her boyfriend's truck in their front, you know, in their driveway. So it's really bold. Uh, he successfully forced the pin number out of her and then tested the debit card went tested atm comes back turned up the volume on his radio got a little drunk sexually assaulted her and then strangled her to death 
leaving her body in the shed on his property. All I don't within, like that. No, this one's darker. Did I warn you about that? No. Well, serial killers tend to be. After he murders Samantha, he then goes to New Orleans to embark on a two-week cruise. This is with, um, at the time he was living with his like living girlfriend and his eight-year-old daughter. So that's who he's living at home with. And he, take, he brings an 18-year-old girl back to the shed, kills her there, then the next day goes on a cruise with his family. Ew. Yeah. Upon returning from the cruise, he became increasingly worried by the large amount of publicity brought up by Samantha's abduction and decided to commit a crime spree. He rented a car and drove to Dallas, Texas, robbed and burnt down a one-story brick building. He then drove to nearby town of Azel, where he donned a hard hat, sunglasses, gloves, and a breathing mask and robbed the National Bank of Texas and then buried the money. I'm sorry, he drove all the way from Alaska to Texas? Driving from Alaska to any fucking state yeah. would suck. Can you do it, though? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, you can. Okay, yeah. Yes. Then he returned to Anchorage and decides to get some ransom money for having abducted Samantha. Like, from now, you know, during this time period, her family is just searching for her in flyers and prayer vigils and because she just disappeared. You know, you just see her go off into a truck, but it's a white truck that... And I think they said there was 10,000 trucks like that in Alaska or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People were just literally like, whose basement is she in? Whose door do we have to go knock down to find her? There wasn't any narrative for people to to understand what happened. Very upsetting. We knew she had to be here somewhere. We had people who were donating money, thousands of dollars. We had t-shirts made, pens made. We had people who were putting flyers throughout the state of Alaska. These people need to get my daughter back so we can get back with our lives. I will do anything. Take me. This candlelight vigil was attended by at least a couple hundred people, and she had a lot of friends. So teenage girls standing around crying because they just don't know where their friend is. Thank you so much for coming out and showing support and bringing Samantha home. What else can we do? So he texts her boyfriend from her phone giving instructions where to find the ransom note, like on a bulletin board at a park. And he wants $30,000 placed into her bank account, which he has the debit card for. He included a picture of Samantha sitting up holding a current newspaper as a proof of life. Now, we know she is not alive. So he had to sit her up, make her look alive with makeup, and he braided her hair in a way that the dad actually even knew she never did her hair like that. So he, and the photo was just blurry enough that you couldn't tell you were looking at a corpse and not a live person. So they had like a, Polo- it's Polaroid, right? Mm-hmm. Making her look alive to get ransom money, which of course they're going to put in because they want to track him through the debit card usage. Yeah. They're like, you idiot. He then dismembered her corpse with a chainsaw and disposed the body parts in Atatanuska Lake. So he pretended to go ice fishing. You go out there, dig a hole in the ice, put some body parts down in it, and caught a couple of fish, too, and took him home and ate them. Starting on March 6th, he began making withdrawals from Samantha's account, alerting the Alaskan authorities and the FBI, who are investigating the case now. Then they notified Texan authorities to alert officers in the state to be on the lookout for a 2012 Ford Focus, the rental car the man was currently using, so they could see in the ATM footage a car pull up, man get out, fully covered up so you can't see in the ATM camera, can't tell who it is. 
he actually got a second rental car. And this leads to his demise. He got the exact same rental car and color. He doesn't sound like a serial killer to me. No, not yet. On March 13th, the Texas Highway Patrol Corporal Brian Henry noticed the suspicious Ford Focus, alerted authorities, and followed it onto Highway 59, noticing that the car was speeding. Henry pulled it over alongside the road to which many unmarked vehicles, federal agents, and Texas Rangers surrounded it. So everyone knew it was bad. They searched the car, found Samantha's debit card and phone with the battery removed, a ski mask, a gun, cash taken from the National Bank of Texas, and (laughs) highlighted maps of California, Arizona, and New Mexico. He was then arrested and charged with access device fraud. So using her ATM card. Okay. Why is this making you hot? Reading makes me hot. (laughs) That's that's what does it for. (laughs) (laughs) On March 26th. 34-year-old Israel Keys was taken back to Anchorage, where he confessed to murdering Samantha Koenig. Koenig. I think Koenig's how you say it, actually. K-O-E-N-I-G. You don't fucking know. Yes, Carla. I do. That's the that's a German word for the a German word for king. Koenig. Koenig. Yeah, you might be right. I am. I think. I think you are. So Israel Keys. During interviews, Keyes was shown to be calm and patient. He willingly gave terms to confess to any crime he committed and plead guilty to all the charges brought against him as long as he was executed and the trial took less than a year. Unfortunately, though, Alaska does not have the death penalty. Oh, no. But he didn't know that. After all of this, he didn't at least even take the time (laughs) to find out if he'd be executed in the state that he was committing all these crimes. I think the FBI had the ability to execute him, though. Yeah, because he went over Did he go across lines. state lines? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well... so. To transfer a body across state lines. I don't know lines. if he did or not. Yeah, it doesn't sound I mean, like we'll it. Fi- Anyways, he was ignorant to the fact that Alaska did not have the be- death penalty. And in the moment, they're like, yes, we will kill you, sir. Soon. Just soon, tell us everything. Very soon. And then he's like, you lied to me. <laughs> You said you were going to kill me. You fibber. He said, there is no one who knows me or who has ever known me, who knows anything about me, really. They're going to tell you something that does not line up with anything I tell you because I'm two different people, basically. Yikes. Creepy guy. So investigators later struck a deal with him about finding the bodies of any potential prior victims in exchange for the media not knowing any details. An Americano coffee, a cigar, and a Snickers peanut butter bar. Not a Snickers. <laughs> what did he want? He wanted the media to know nothing about his crimes. So they're like, yes, we'll make sure that happens. An Americano coffee. Okay. A cigar. And a, and a peanut butter Snickers bar. All right. I would have asked for more than that. He just wanted his freaking Snickers. We had a lot of conversations with keys that were very normal it was like you were having a conversation with your next door neighbor it wasn't until we got into the really detailed conversations about his crimes where you you had to kind of step back and that's why nobody suspected him he did such a good job of of having these two different lives during the entire time that we're talking to keys he's giving us little bits and pieces we're not getting things chronologically we were having to put a lot of that information together keys could put on an amazing front he would talk to you about his favorite NFL team, and then the next minute he was talking about robberies he'd done and, or murders he'd committed or his situation in, in a different calculating voice. Keyes' demeanor is calm. It's matter-of-fact, and he certainly thought he was the smartest guy in the room. That was Keyes' journey, and that's the maturation of a psychopath. Keyes knows that he was born to kill, and it's only a matter of time 
before he does. But what other choice do we have? We've got to keep him talking. He wants the death penalty and he wants it right away. He became very cynical about it over time. He joked about how he could build a house quicker than we could put him to death. It was a race in terms of getting as much information as we could from him. There were times that he did shut down and he, he stopped talking with us for you know a couple of weeks at a time. We interview him 25 times over eight months. We've got to keep him off of wanting to be put to death. He's the fountain of information that we have to keep going back to. There was no rule book for what we were doing there. You don't really understand uh, how soul-jarring it could be to talk to somebody like this. Just a clean-cut, regular guy. Now look, part of the deal to get our assurance was he finished telling us the story about his other life over those 14 years. He basically said, I'm going to need a, a map of uh, Burlington, Vermont, and I'm going to need a cigar, a Snickers bar, and, and an Americano. We got him Americano, we got him smoke, and, and we got a couple of murder confessions. Israel Keys was born on January 7, 1978, in Richmond, Utah, the second of 10 children to John and Heidi Keys. Soon after his birth, the Keys family moved to an area in Stevens County, Washington. There he was raised in a Mormon environment in which he was homeschooled. Keys also occasionally attended a Christian identity church which promoted white supremacist beliefs. Oh boy. So he was really isolated from everyone and... You know, they say kind of Mormon, but they were also kind of racist, white supremacist people and like keep to ourselves. You leave us alone. Yeah, that's not good. Mm. During his childhood years, Keys would walk around with a pistol everywhere he went. And at the age of 14, his grandfather gave him a 38 caliber. That word, that word. 38 caliber. 38 caliber (laughs) revolver, which he outfitted with his first homemade silencer. How do you make a silencer? You're asking the wrong person. Uh, I, there's like, a way to do it. A potato? No, I think you actually <laughs> take like a, a, a two liter bottle and oh. yeah, there's a way to, there's different stuff you can do. Now, to make a, to make a silencer, to mm-hmm. make your own suppressor is a federal offense. Yeah. 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 He and a friend also had a habit of breaking into houses, burglarizing them and stealing firearms. Keys also began hunting and killing pets. So he liked to torture animals some. Fuck and it was that dude. Yeah. It was during this time, though, that he realized he thought it was fun to torture animals. And the friends are like, one guy was throwing up in the woods with him. And he's like, oh, I'm different. <laughs> and I can't tell people what I'm doing or they're going to tell on me. So he figured it out pretty quickly. Yeah. And he was that smart. Except he just wasn't smart enough to see if Alaska had the death penalty. (laughs) (laughs) Later, in the 1990s, the family moved to Maine, where they became involved in the maple syrup business. Riverdale. We're going to be, we're maple syrup conglomerates from Vermont. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I have no other information than just. People know what that's. Oh, it's Wedding Wedding Crashers. crashers. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Their backstory. Oh, I know. Okay, but in Riverdale. Um, in Riverdale. The show? Yes. You know, based on the Archie comics, uh, Cheryl Blossom's family is in the maple syrup business, but they're actually using it to hide their giant drug ring. Yes. That, yes. And that's what I would want my cover to be. It's a sticky <laughs> business. In Canada, they have like illegal maple syrup smuggling stuff. It would be. They a- have illegal maple syrup smuggling, but. It's legal to smoke pot there. Yeah, that's why. We, yeah, that's... <laughs> I want to live in Canada. <laughs> e. 
Minus the winners. And yeah. it is during this that he rejected his parents' faith and openly declared himself an atheist. As a result, they kicked him the fuck out of the house. Damn. Yep. He said, my only God is the maple syrup God. And they said, get the fuck out. <laughs> the maple syrup God, Aunt Jemima. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Key's first violent crime occurred during the summer of 1997 when he claimed he kidnapped and raped a teenage girl near the Deschutes River in Oregon. He said he lured the girl away from her friends while she was intertubing on the river. Keyes let the girl go after sexually assaulting her, and the crime was never reported. So he abducted her, took her into, like, an outhouse, which is great, and, like, a, pri- a privy <laughs> in the middle, in the woods. Man. Yep. Sexually assaults her. In a, in a porta potty mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-mm. And what an asshole. I know. I on mean, like, I'm sorry. That's what it took for me to twice. That He's out. an asshole twice <laughs> for that. But he fully intended to kill this girl. But what she did was started complimenting him. She was like, I would go out with you. Like, you don't have to do this. You're a good looking guy. You seem really nice. You don't have to do, you know, we could go out. So we could go somewhere a little less smelly. Yeah. <laughs> like Terre Haute. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Because she did that, he said, okay. I'll let you go, but if you tell anyone, you know, I'll come find you and kill your whole family type of thing. And he said he really regretted letting her go, that he worried about it for the next two years. But of course, she doesn't report it. At the age of 20, he went to New Jersey and enlisted in the U.S. Army, serving as a specialist in the Alpha Company, 1st Battalion, 5th Infantry. He was stationed at Fort Lewis in Washington. In Louisville? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Fort Hood in Texas. And was trained in Egypt. During his service, Keyes received an Army Achievement Medal for meritorious, meritorious service while assigned as a gunner. So he's actually pretty good at doing the Army thing. And that's a common thread among serial killers is that they have some military experience. Keyes spent several years in the Army. He was respected and he was a good soldier. His movement towards the military might very well have been seen as not only an opportunity to be around guns, but to learn how to use them and have the sort of killer training that the Army would give him. While he admits to some sexual assaults and some other possible crimes of violence, we don't know that he killed anybody during those years. He described some incidents where he uh, frequented prostitutes. Um, There was an incident where he was overseas and there was a woman that was in his room um, that he likely sexually assaulted, but he did let her go. There's a time period where he suppressed his desire or his need, you know, to kill. He talked about when he was in the military, your time is not your time. People know where you are, uh, they can account for you, and... He didn't have the ability to get away like he did in later years where he could just disappear for 12 hours or 24 hours or 36 hours at a time and not have somebody know where he was at. And so he just kind of put it on hold. He suppressed his desire or his need, you know, to kill. But he suppressed it not out of his own volition. This is more of a function of his desire not to get caught. But he also liked to drink. He got a DUI somewhere in there. Uh, But in 2001, he was honorably discharged from the Army. And then he moved to a small town of Nea Bay, Washington, and began dating an unidentified woman whom he would have a daughter with. According to his confession, Keyes took advantage of this discharge from the military to murder his first victim and victims, an unidentified couple. So we just don't know. He was like, yeah, I murdered a couple in Washington and buried them like in a valley somewhere. And they're like, give me that fucking peanut butter bar back. <laughs> peanut butter Snickers. Give it to me. 
You get that back to me. Nom, 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 so nom, they're nom, never nom, able nom. to identify them. No, it's just like, oh, I think I killed a couple. The first couple I killed, I think it was like right about here. And then he's like, yeah, it started hitting. And Nia Bay was really boring. Like that was his rationale. It was really boring there. But he did say that after he had a daughter, he never would kill any kid. So the question is, did he kill kids before? And they have no way of proving it because he's like, after I had my kid, I wasn't going to kill kids. So no one really knows if he did or not. Mm-hmm. In 2002, he separated with his girlfriend and it, he admitted to murdering a total of four people in Washington. So and that's between 2002 and 2007. Okay. And in March 2007, Keyes and his daughter moved to Anchorage. So I think her mom was an alcoholic and he was like, I want a better life for my daughter and I'm going to take her to Alaska with me. And then that's when he lives with the woman that he was dating and he worked as a handyman and a contractor and started his own business, Keys Construction, which has a nice ring to it. It really. does. Yeah. In 2009, after making trips to California, Washington, and New England, Keys decided to rob a bank in order to fund his crimes. During this time, they think he murdered a woman named Deborah Feldman, 49, in Hackensack, New Jersey. Because ju- they're just trying to, like, overlap missing people while they're talking to him. Like, hey, what about this person when you were here? And we're looking this person is missing but they don't keep track of missing adults like they do missing children because as Mm -hmm. an adult they're like they wanted to go missing like are you sure they wanted to go missing but i think she might have been a sex worker how the frick did he get to new jersey he just flies in somewhere rents a car and drives that's that's the biggest i'm just he's at all these different places but he's from alaska it's not like it's easy to get to those places Mm -hmm. it wasn't until we got into the really detailed conversations about his crimes where you had to kind of step back, and that's why nobody suspected him. He did such a good job of, of having these two different lives. Despite his stable career and newfound commitment to fatherhood, Keyes tells investigators that he can't suppress his uncontrollable urge to kill. He recounts the convincing lies he made up to keep his family in the dark. A lot of the stuff that I did was in conjunction with something else that was going on pretty tight timeline if you can say so that if it ever came up then it's not like i would be in a situation where i did explain where i was for days on end or something he would make up these stories for why he had to leave on jobs and then take off for blocks of time he would tell family and friends co-workers that he was heading over to eastern washington to visit family I may have gone to Eastern Washington, but it doesn't mean I went to see old friends. I don't have any old friends in Eastern Washington. (laughs) Interestingly, his partner uh, had absolutely no clue about what he was up to. She never suspected or knew anything. A measure of his success was traveling to a place that he has no connection to to commit a murder and then leave right away. Traveling was his way of getting away both physically and probably psychologically from the stability of the home he had created. So they think somewhere in there he he murdered that woman because when they slid her picture to him, he pauses and he's like, no, I don't, no, I don't know. I'm not ready to talk about that one. And you're like, oh, have some more Snickers. (laughs) You may have your Snickers back now. So on April 10th, he walked into the community bank in Tupper Lake, New York, donning sunglasses, a jacket, gloves, and a fake mustache and goatee, armed with a 40 caliber Smith & Wesson semi-automatic pistol. Successfully robbing the bank, he fled and buried a toolbox with money in the Woodside Natural Area in Essex, Vermont. What's he do? The, the money doesn't do you much good if you just go bury it. Wait till we get there. 
you just wait, Kala. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he buried the money with like damp red or, you know, that stuff that mom has to have in the basement. She has a big tub of it trying to absorb the moisture in the basement. <laughs> a Smith & Wesson, a Ruger charger, and the cash. And then he got on the airplane and went home. So he buried this money and guns specifically somewhere in uh, Vermont. So these are what they would eventually call murder kits or kill kits. And he would bury them near future crime scenes that he would plan on going back to around the country containing weapons and supplies to dispose of a victim's body. Former FBI special agent Bobby Chacon. Boucher. <laughs> it might have been <laughs> Chacon said Israel Keys was one of the most meticulous serial killers that I have ever come across or ever heard of. And one of the reasons is these kill kits or caches of gear that he had stashed away. Special Agent Jolene Godin says Keyes would usually plant his kits before identifying potential victims. The planning really started when he buried the kit in that location. According to the FBI, Keyes would sometimes store his murder kits for years before using them in a murder. So it's like delayed gratification. Wow, that is meticulous. They usually contained cash, duct tape, shovels, guns, rope, lye, and Drano. He said that he had about 12 stashed around the country. He would later tell investigators he preferred his preferred murder method was strangulation so he could watch his victims suffer. Lovely. Israel Keyes was one of the most meticulous serial killers that I've ever come across or even heard of. And one of the reasons is these kill kits or these caches of gear that he had stashed away all around the country. These kill kits indicate to the FBI just how frighteningly calculating a killer Keyes is. They're also his signature, setting him apart from other serial killers. Even though he didn't have an identified victim, the planning really started when he would leave that, that kit, when he buried that kit in that location. I haven't seen anything like it. It contains things like duct tape, shovels, guns, rope, things that you would use to both capture somebody, to hold them, and then to kill them, and dispose of the body afterwards. Drano and lye and these sorts of caustic chemical agents were present as well. Drano was an idea I had uh, in case they were found right away. I didn't want um, there to be any DNA on the outside of the bodies. The other thought I had that it would start the, the decomposition and they would break them down a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. He mentioned having up to 12 caches stashed in places around the country. He kind of joked about them and said, hey, everybody loves a buried treasure. As a kid, I always used to dream that I'd find buried treasure and I figured, well, I might as well create it. <laughs> what these did is enable Israel Keys to leave Alaska and not check his gun and the baggage on the airplane, not carry any evidence with him, but go to a place, pick up what he needed, and go do his business. And then he could destroy it or cash it again, whatever he needed to do. I've certainly heard of, you know, people hiding things and setting things aside in terms of planning, but we're talking years sometimes that these things would sit before he would then come back to them. This ability to delay gratification, to have a kill kit and then not act on it, was very atypical. 
You don't see that kind of patience in people who do this sort of thing. He probably waited with a great deal of excitement. He then spent the next two years repeatedly traveling through the country for a variety of undisclosed reasons. So he's telling his family, like, I have friends and family to go visit. That's why I'm traveling. It's for work. Blah, blah, blah. At the same time, between April and May of 2011, he constructed a homemade silencer for the Ruger Charger pistol and decided to test it out during his next crime. After flying to Indiana and then driving to New York. Folks, that is the link. And then to Vermont, where he recovered a kill kit he buried earlier, to which he decided to randomly target and murder someone. So that's he I think he flew into Indianapolis once or twice. Wow. And rented a car and drove. That's it. And I think on this trip, he planned to target a motorist, like sitting at a stop sign, and then realized it was kind of unpractical. (laughs) Then after selecting a location to take a victim to an abandoned farmhouse in Essex, he began wandering around suburban neighborhoods on the late hours of July 8th, 2011, and set his sights on the home belonging to the couriers, Bill 50 and Lorraine 55. So he's just prowling. He just gave no fucks about who it was that he was killing. No. It had to be the more random, the better. So he's prowling around neighborhoods at night. But I also heard that theirs might have been a little farther out neighborhood. So, like, he, he like, planned out his crimes, but not who. So, Mm -hmm. like, it was kind of a crime of opportunity. Yeah. He planned the location to an extent. Like, it's got to be somewhere around this kit. That's all that it was. And I have to have somewhere to, like, dump the body. He knew the the what, the where, the how. Just Just not not who. who. All right, I get it. Okay. Okay, first he inspected the house, deducing the room the couple was sleeping in. He disabled the phone line first, making sure that an alarm wouldn't go off before breaking down the glass in the front door, shattering it. And then he was described as a blitz attack, ambushing the couriers as they slept, subduing and tying them with zip ties before taking Lorraine's thirty-eight revolver, among other things. So they even had a gun fairly close by and the, he, he said it took him maybe five seconds to get from the front door to the bedroom they didn't have time to even get the gun right keys then abducted the couple putting them in their own car and taking them to the abandoned farmhouse he took bill to the basement and lorraine attempted to escape only to be tackled and recaptured by keys bill also tried to escape but keys hit him over the head with a shovel in a fit of rage at the loss of control and shot him to death He then sexually assaulted Lorraine, strangled her into unconsciousness, took her to the basement, and strangled her again, this time fatally. Keys then covered the bodies of the couriers in garbage bags and debris and left them in the farmhouse basement, intending to return to burn it down. Unbeknownst to him, in October, the farmhouse was demolished and the debris, including the bags that contained the couriers' corpses, was transported to a local landfill. Authorities found and excavated the farmhouse, where Keys left the bodies at, only finding indication of human decomp. So they brought in cadaver dogs to prove that there was a body decomposing there authorities searched the local landfill for 12 weeks going through 10,000 tons of trash before and finding no trace of the couple that's rough yeah and they said also with them they just disappeared like the house wasn't really roughed up besides that and their car was missing and they found the car not at the farmhouse but not too far away and there was no evidence anywhere and it's not you know it's a late do that like you know yeah so now they've kind of caught up to his crimes of killing Samantha, as he's telling the investigators. Wow. But the problem is they promised him a death penalty and that no one would ever hear of your crimes because we don't want to upset your daughter or give your mom a heart attack. 
But when the police are like searching buildings and going through landfills and stuff, the news will pick up on it. And the news broke of the story of Key's connection to the disappearance of the couriers. As a result, Keyes refused to speak to investigators for a two-month period. He was worried about the effect it would have on his daughter, saying, I want her to have a chance to grow up and not have all of this hanging over her head. Okay, well, you should have thought about that before you started to kill a bunch of people. After investigators inform Israel Keyes that his name has been leaked to the news, he shuts down. Fearing his daughter might find out about what he's done. First of all, I didn't agree to do anything today. I already told you that. So I told you I've got different agenda now. Things that happened. So fine, I changed the rules. Shame on me. Up until that point, people were following the rules. But when that anonymity caved in, he had a game. The game was on. It was unfortunate that it happened because we lost some really valuable time. This is getting frustrating for weeks and weeks and weeks. We are not moving forward because we've been kind of bending over backwards. I understand that you've got your schedule, you've got your deadlines, you've got things you've got to get done, but honestly, that's of no concern to me. The FBI needs to rebuild their rapport with the killer. They believe he has killed additional victims, but because he is so meticulous and leaves no clues, the only way to this information is through Keyes himself. So the cat and mouse game to keep Keyes talking continues. Early on, we had the power, but as Keyes kind of learned more and more about the process and the legal system, he became more confident that he had the power. He would ultimately give 40 hours worth of interviews to investigators, but he never divulged the names of his other victims or dates of their murders. It was always just, oh, about here, around this time. I think her name started with, you know, an L, and then he wouldn't give anything else. Hmm. Admitting to hunting closer to home and that he liked killing people now that would go missing. Like, turns out on his computer, he started to follow all that. The news reports of the older couple going missing and of Samantha. So, on his computer a lot. He was following his handiwork at that point. Where before, it was all anonymous. And then he agrees to use a drone and Google Maps to point out the location of his other kill kits. So, they're hoping if they can find where his kill kits are, they can figure out more missing people around the kill kit right. and then connect it to him. So it's got to be a missing person and him in the same state. At the same time. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, they're like, he kind of seemed excited by that. Like, you know, treasure hunting some more. On December 2nd, 2012, Keyes wrote a two-page front and back suicide note before slashing his wrist with a razor mistakenly issued to him and also hanging himself. Someone was in trouble that day. Yeah, no kidding. There are people out there looking for closure um, that they don't know, you know, they don't know what happened. They're never going to know what happened. It's a totally different level of evil than just about anything you can think of. They needed names. The FBI knew about this couple in Vermont. They knew about Samantha Koenig here in Alaska, but they didn't know the names of anyone else. This was part of that cat and mouse game, and he was at a point where he, I don't think, felt that he had to give us anything. But he didn't deny it either. The only victim that we recovered is Samantha, and that's because he told us exactly where she was. He was very good at not leaving evidence. We as human beings always look for explanations for people's conduct, and because if there's an explanation, maybe there's a way to prevent it. Maybe there's a way to um, explain it away. When you meet someone like Keyes, you realize that 
uh, this guy was born that way. He was born a monster, and the world becomes a little more frightening of a place when you realize that you know, some monsters are born and not made, and they're walking amongst us. You know, some of them said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad this happened. He's dead, and now we just don't have to relive this, and there's something to be said for that, but I'm sure there were other families out there that you know we could have brought closure to and we didn't get to. Here's a man who had more information that could help other people find closure. And he took his own life. He short-circuited that process so that nobody else will ever find out who all of his victims were. On August 12, 2013, federal authorities released new information on Keyes, revealing that they suspected him to have a final death toll of 11 victims all killed from 2001 to 2012, in which there are seven left unsolved, and that there are possibly other victims in Canada, where he sought out sex workers in other countries, because he was in Egypt for a while, too. Additionally, he was confirmed to have burglarized 20 to 30 homes and robbed several banks. When asked, How the frick does someone get away with robbing a bank? I know! That's what I was like, was it that easy? When asked why he committed his crimes, he reportedly replied, Why not? That was a lot of talking. You okay, Lily? Yeah, I was dropping the mic. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) So they don't, they'll never know, I guess. So they find all of the kill kits. No, they found, they got pictures of some of where he told them. But, and there's got to be more than 12, like 12 victims with how much he traveled. And I was going to say, if they have record of the flights he took, I guess. And there were several other times he attempted to abduct someone and it didn't work because it was too impulsive towards the end. It wasn't planned out as well. And he got caught because he started killing at home in Anchorage. And there was another couple, he said, at one point in a park that he was lined up to shoot. And a police officer showed up to tell them probably to quit making out in public. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I was going to kill the police officer and them. But then another police officer showed up. And so I decided that was too many. So it was like to know that you could have been just sitting in your car and like two police officers show up is the only reason that he didn't shoot you. Yeah. yeah. He would have killed them all. Yeah. So he just started to spiral and he was only 34. He sounds like a weirdo. Yeah. It was I all- think it's weird. I he just- seems so normal. I feel like even in like 2000s, they'd be able to like connect things better. This is why this is the serial killer I am most fascinated by. I think because he robbed banks, and the you know how far he went out of his way, and that his victims were random. Yeah, he was truly a loose cannon. Like he would have done anything. Mm. Do you have him in your serial killer card collection? I don't have one of those. You don't have like on Adam's family. They have the trading cards. Yeah, I don't have any. <laughs> they do have those, but I don't have any. Do you write about him in your? Secret admirer for serial killers mm-hmm. book. I'll have some audio in here because I decided to do this, and then the Oxygen Channel did a um, a documentary on him. Oh, like two days after I decided to do this, it came out. Do I watch that? I don't remember. Like this doesn't sound familiar. It to doesn't. Me at all. People don't talk about him as much, and I guess because it's not as terrifying. I don't know. It doesn't it's- sound like it because it's just so. It seems so random. And they don't have as much information, and he killed himself. I think if he was still alive and still talking, and you know, and he knew it was his card that, like, I don't have anything to play if I tell you where everyone is up front. Like, mm-hmm. if I keep this going, I get to get out of my cell, I get a cigar, I get a coffee. 
And again, my yeah. peanut butter Snickers. Smoking yeah. a pancake. Smoking a pancake. So he wasn't going to give everything up at the beginning. And finally, like your last form of control. I have to put in the audio. Someone reading his weird suicide notes. It's like half poetry, half not. And they sent it to the FBI, Quantico, because it got so soaked in blood. You couldn't even read it. And they had to do a bunch of test to figure out what it was because it's like this could be confession of where bodies are mm-hmm. no just poor poetry that's it there you couldn't find any hidden meaning in any of it yeah i was like you that was dick. ultimately that was his last form of control mm-hmm. i think that's the scariest part is it was completely random and he didn't want to be recognized for his crimes it's like nothing that's someone that like truly took joy in what they did mm-hmm and that's what he would like laugh during the interview. He's like, he was in it for th- for the game, you know. Yeah, he played for the love of the game. He wanted to die, and, <clears throat> and it wasn't. And he would say that, be like, I feel betrayed, you know. That it came out in the news, and they're like, dude, we can't hide it forever. Mm-hmm. People are gonna be like, where? What happened to my family member? <laughs> yeah, and they wanted the death penalty in the works all the time. He would be asking about, it, and they're like, it is. We're gonna kill you any minute now. We can't legally, but yeah. What time is it? Eight, Eight o'clock. Technically, it's nine because the time changed. Today. You are so right, sir. I hate, I hate it. I'm good with it. Whatever. Life has no meaning. <laughs> time is irrelevant. Yeah. It's all a vacuum. <laughs> I'm trying to think. True crime all the time. I listen to them. They're very good at what they do. Podcasters. I, I like listen it. to them. And then Criminal Minds did a documentary about this when we lived in Plainfield I remember listening to it and I heard him say Indiana and I sat up and I'm like really Indiana <laughs> and that was light years before this podcast and really? I remembered it nice and so I was on their criminal minds wiki fan page something to got got a lot of that information nice. it's hard to figure out where he was and who he abducted and who he might have killed or didn't and true crime all the time does a better job I think of laying out where he was with potential victims. Very interesting. And Daniel knew ahead of time. How much did you know about him after reading the name? Just whatever you've told me. <sighs> I probably have talked <laughs> about him. It's your own fault. <laughs> yeah, a lot. That's your own that damn fault. It's fascinating. I mean, not everyone knows about him. Just put him at the top of your list. That's pretty interesting. Different. The mask of sanity. Everyone's like, he seemed like a real normal guy. They Great always dad. say that. and that, But that's everyone... For everyone that's ever did something bad, so there's someone else there to say, they just were a normal guy. Yeah, I talked about his kid a lot. He was a great dad. I like to kill people on the weekends. Yeah. Literally, there will always be someone there to say. <laughs> they were a really nice guy. They would have never done something like this. Well, they freaking did. Who's going to say that for me? She would never. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie for you, okay? <laughs> she did have this weird obsession with this kind of stuff, so it I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> and that is all she wrote. There's a lot of information there. A lot of places he yeah. goes. Because he travels so much. Frequent all the places fire you'll go. Oh, this is <laughs> not a Dr. Whole new meeting. story. Yeah. <laughs> Frequent flyer miles galore. Yeah, he really did. There's, he, an, he ran out of money, but he had money for all these plane trips from Alaska. Yeah. Jesus. There's another serial killer that abducts women and takes them back to Alaska in his plane to let them loose to hunt them. That's weird. That's like the dangerous game. The most dangerous game. game. That. That's a good story. Yeah, so that's exactly what it is. That was the Zodiacs thing, though. What's the what? The most dangerous game. 
Oh, yeah. But this guy really out in the wilderness. Like, then, didn't the Zodiac start to get like sloppy? I don't know. And then he started killing people and just so happened it would be no. a certain birthday. I don't know. Don't remember. The guy that they were going to charge with the crimes died of a heart attack before they could get to trial. Mm. So it could have been him. If anyone knows any other serial killer connections to Indiana, because we don't have a lot of, Ohio's got a lot of serial killers. I mean, we already did what's I kill some cereal. <laughs> Slay. What's, uh, what was Nuts is Nuts? Herb. Yeah, I don't like him. No, that creeped you out the most? Yeah. You weren't even his victim type. I know, but the, the, it's the man. Yeah, Kyla, you don't have a penis. It was the mannequins. The mannequins. Is that raccoon? <laughs> it was the damn raccoon. The ghost of Herb. Herb. All right. We, we're good at this stuff. I think Daniel's done. I have to poop. Oh, God. <laughs> Daniel. Please go back to your parents' house. No, she's going to murder our toilet. <laughs> no, you're not. You got anything else to say? Yeah. If Carla goes in there to shit, I'm going to turn the power off. That's <gasps> from the toilet a plus dream. I think it can, yeah. No, but the, all the lights will be off. <laughs> Our daughter will go shit in the dark. She will in the bathroom. I'll be like, "Are you pooping in the dark?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Tell them where to find us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, of course, at Who's Your Homicide. Like us on Facebook. Uh, listen to the podcast literally wherever you want. Um, you could even listen to it while you masturbating. That's weird. That's weird. Don't do that. Don't do that. That makes me think like, that's weird. Before <laughs> or after, not during. And that's pretty much it, isn't it? I I think you rate, review, subscribe, be nice. Because nice. like, we're just trying to have a good time. Yeah, I don't. You don't have to be mean about it. No. <laughs> and beware the moon. Stick to the road. Oops. Oops. And for honest to goodness. Stay out of the corn. And Alaska. And Alaska.